Hello and welcome to another episode of Home and Away. We are back to talk about all things basketball. The playoffs are here and they are frenetic. There is everything you could ask for. There's drama, controversy, upsets, solo performances for the ages and a lot more. So I guess we can just get right into it. Starting off with the Miami Heat versus the Milwaukee Bucks. That's the game that kicked the playoffs off. And the first game, it was it was close. And you could see that, well, this is going to be quite the series. You go back to last season and it was Miami who got the better of this Milwaukee side. They, for the lack of a better word, embarrassed this Milwaukee side because they had Giannis, the MVP of the league, and just they systemically broke this team down. And what you saw last year was how how set in their ways this Milwaukee side is. Mike Budenholzer has his way of playing and it's kind of restricting. You see how these players kind of fall into a sense of monotony because of the way they have to play. They have to play in this structure and it's quite restricting. And you saw Miami really figure that out and break them down over the series. It wasn't close and Milwaukee was sent packing. The season, of course, they had the addition, a major addition of Drew Holiday, who who adds that element of defense that they lacked before, which is perimeter defense. They didn't really have much of that before. Dante, Dante DiVincenzo is improving in that department, but it, it was an obvious issue, which they took care of. Now, heading into the series, you kind of had to go for Milwaukee. Like, if they didn't go through, this would have been embarrassing. This would have been unforgivable. Not because they are so much better than this Miami side, but they kind of are. They kind of are better, as we saw. But that's not the point. The point is that after what happened last season, and the players that they have from Middleton, Drew Holiday, especially Giannis, if you stumble again, especially now in the first round, and you haven't sorted those patterns that you fall into defensively and offensively getting into that rut, it was going to be really embarrassing. Well, the series... In game one, you saw how close it was. It went to OT. Chris Middleton hit that shot. And Chris Middleton was immense in that game. Drew Holiday was immense in that game. Again, you see some of these games. Giannis doesn't even need to be Giannis. The team is now such a well-rounded team that they can all provide. They can all pull their weight. And this team dominated. They edged the first game, but that kind of gave you a hope that, well, this series is going to be close. Not really. <laughs> Not really, because what you saw after that was this Milwaukee side was, well, a bit hurt by what happened last season. And there was no tiptoeing around to win the series. They wanted to demolish this team. I mean, there were points where Spolstra was basically... You know, waving the white flag by 
putting his bench out there because the game was over. Not Milwaukee. They kept their players on and they really took it to this Miami side. It felt really brutal to watch at times. Miami could never get going. Jimmy Butler, as great of a player as he is, struggled. You had Bam Adebayo not having his best series, even though he was trying. He had a tough start, but then, again, it's really hard for them to get going. Their shooters, Duncan Robinson, Goran Dragic, Tyler Hero, nobody was really there, and it was painful to watch because... This Milwaukee side could have just given more. Like, even if Miami had their shooters going, I don't think it would have made much of a difference because Milwaukee was there. They were there to destroy. And a win was never in question, and it was a comfortable sweep. It really raises some questions for Miami and where they go. I mean, they lost Jay Crowder, which is a massive loss. Because of the role he plays in any team. In terms of offense. In terms of his shooting ability. Being that defensive gritty you know, spark plug of sorts. It just really felt like this side was uninspired. And a bit lost. And you kind of wanted players like Tyler Hero to take a step up. And it really didn't happen. Again, it was a tough season for them as well but this was this wasn't pretty this wasn't pretty and yeah that was the end it was a comfortable series it was brutal and Milwaukee steamrolled over the Miami Heat the next one we can go into the Celtics versus the Nets people thought this would be interesting Uh, it was okay if I'm being quite honest as great as this Brooklyn side is, there is something quite mechanical about the way they play. I mean, it's incredible to watch at times when you have players like Blake Griffin going. Kevin Durant doesn't seem to miss at times. James Harden, on his day, can drop 40, 50. Kyrie Irving, still one of the best point guards in the league who offers so much. Sometimes it feels like this team is just on autopilot and they are not going to miss. And that's what this series kind of was. We knew that this Boston Celtics team clearly hobbled, clearly without Jalen Brown. Yet, even with him, this side really didn't feel like it was at the level of Brooklyn. I mean, you can say that about any team in the NBA right now. There's no team that compares to that three-headed monster with you know a solid uh, role players around them I mean you can't even call Blake Griffin a role player he's doing such a good job Claxon as well I mean you have this great great team in the Brooklyn Nets it was tough it's, you're gonna have a tough time beating them Boston had Tatum going going on a run he had a game of 50 points and that 50-point game was something that they desperately needed just to get one win. Oh, my God. I mean, Jason Tatum tried his best. Marcus Smart had his days. But, yeah, this series was quite one-sided again. 
if you have one guy who's struggling you have the you have the other two who can pull their weight if if all three are clicking i mean god help you you know it was tough it, this was a tough watch uh, and yeah this team is struggling this boston side is really struggling in terms of where they stand they stand at this precipice of change they need to do something with the contracts they have what do you do with a marcus smart do you keep him i mean i know celtics fans who are adamant that he should stay and there really isn't anyone of equal value that they can get back you have the kemba walker contract which is going to be a tough one it's tough it is really tough for them and maybe with jalen brown they put up a better fight they probably do but does this series go differently i doubt it i mean brooklyn were really on autopilot just like milwaukee was so you know it, it seemed quite easy it seemed quite easy so yeah i think boston have a lot of soul searching to do i mean they've already made the big change danny ainge is out and brad stevens has been promoted not promoted but yeah he's just taken over the team now and now he's deciding his own replacement which is interesting um yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens with this boston side they have talent there but you know there's a shelf life to you know such teams and their players and i think they're close to their shelf life and they need to get things going so let's see what happens with them brooklyn comfy never in doubt the stars there they were, they were just very good so yeah brooklyn philly versus washington oh, what's that to talk about in here i think this is the most obvious series going into this we all knew there was going to be one win one winner Joel Embiid dominating just defensively this team is so solid Russell Westbrook can never really get going in the way he you know the team needs him to Bradley Beal was okay yeah no real not a lot happening Davis Bertans had his moments but Tobias Harris so very good I don't know I don't know what to say I, I to be honest I think this Washington side is I mean it's they went on a good they went on a good few runs even in the series but yeah again no competition this seemed really one-sided and then there was the injury to Joel Embiid which was the which felt like a turning point because that's when Washington were able to pick up a win but i don't think the attitude of this washington team was quite gelling and when you have two stars and the rest are really trying to play catch up to this team uh, yeah it was tough for them but the injury to joel embiid was a tough one for them they you know they have stars like seth curry tobias harris ben simmons you don't really need someone like Joel Embiid every single game. So they were able to get through the series and win, but I mean it was an interesting uh thought going into the next round. What happens with Joel Embiid? On to the last 
matchup in the East. The New York Knicks versus the Atlanta Hawks. Now, this is the fun one because everyone kind of thought that, not everyone, but quite a few people thought that the New York Knicks would get this. And I wrote a piece about this quite recently, I mean yesterday, on the Atlanta Hawks and how the, how the New York Knicks kind of believed that there was something else at play. Like, this one kind of felt utopian. I mean, Julius Randle just breaking into this player, you know, developing the long-range shooting, using his size to dominate in the paint, and being quite a, quite an astute player. And R.J. Barrett developing more in his sophomore year than... You have D. Rose coming off the bench, you know, manning that second unit. This team felt really solid, and with their fourth seed finish, they felt like they should be able to get through this. But that fourth seed, again, when you consider Atlanta Hawks and the injuries they've had and how they've had to steer through this incredibly tough season in the sense that, well, they sacked their coach Lloyd Pierce and getting in Nate McMillan and him steadying the ship and guiding this team forward in a fantastic way. And, you know, he almost offered them this freedom by explaining to them their roles on what each player should do, getting each player involved, allowing Bogdanovich to create shots for himself, allowing Trey to make those passes a little earlier, seeing these runs instead of waiting for his dribble to end before looking for a pass. It felt really static before, but then I think slowly, slowly that trust is developing, even though you still see him take over and just go ballistic. In this series, though, since Game 1, Game 1 was close. Again, the Game 1 was really close, but that floater at the end, that beautiful floater in the dying seconds of the game, Seal the win for Atlanta. And what did Trey Young do? He shushed the crowd in the garden who are here for the first time in a while, in a few years. And yeah, the war was on. The war was really on. It's real quiet in here, he said, as he shushed the crowd. But yeah, you knew that this is going to be an interesting series. It was, it was a close game. And people thought that R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle had really tough games, an off night. But what you realized in the series was it wasn't really an off night. It was the fact that Atlanta Hawks had figured out how to defend this Knicks side. The main guy you have to look out for is, of course, Julius Randle. And what they were doing was they were using... Capella as the help instead of him being in action. So when he's coming off the help, he has a stronger presence in you know in the inside paint, forcing Randall to make those tough decisions on the fly. And they didn't come off quite well. RJ Barrett was again kind of stifled. And there was this beautiful mechanism around Randall on when the defense would contract, retract, allow him to have space take that space away, even had even times where Trey Young was guarding against him, but you saw moments where Capella was just there always. It was a trap. It was leading into this trap. 
and Julius Randle could never get going to get the points they had to start Derrick Rose, who was having a good good series. He had a great series. But now there isn't really someone manning that second unit. And it all felt quite disjointed and credit to this Atlanta side who, guess what, they could miss. They were scoring everything. And it was fascinating to watch them just go off. It, unbelievable. Again, there was a game that the Knicks picked up. And there was no dropping of the heads for Atlanta. They said, I'll see you all at the A. And he did see them at the A. And yeah, just beautiful moments. Again, the not-so-beautiful moment. One of the worst moments of the of uh, the postseason is a fan spitting on Trey Young. I mean, really. Speaking of... All the incidents that happened from the bottle throwing, the popcorn throwing, the spitting, the jeering, the the racial insults. Really, there is no place for it in the NBA, in the world. I, I, I don't get it. I, I just don't get why someone would do that. I mean, really direct such venom towards someone. I mean, there were videos, even if, you know, they might have been in jest of better people saying that, you know, Trey Young, I'll kick your ass or whatever. It's such a negative, you know, vibe about it. And it's really not necessary. It doesn't serve any purpose. I mean, for for Trey Young, it, you might say it's fueling him even more. But uh, as a fan, first of all, every fan should know their limits. They are paying to watch these incredible athletes do what they do best. And that feeling of entitlement or whatever causes them to do this i don't know where it comes from i'll never understand it but there is really something that they need to understand that as fans they're here to enjoy the show not berate players for in or in a way that some of the incidents portrayed them to be i mean if you if you critique up that that's fine for what they're doing on the court but there is a line of civility that they these people crossed way beyond. So, yeah, I, I, saying do better, are people going to change? I don't know, but I guess individually we should all make sure that we appreciate the sport we watch, appreciate people in general, and, yeah, just appreciate people, man. I mean, this world has so much negativity all around. Why? Why add to it? There's nothing to gain from negativity, just you know, focus on yourself, be better, I guess. Not for anyone else, but for yourself. I mean, you know, so yeah, that's my little piece on that. Back to the series. Trey Young was on it. He the entire team felt like this, but they felt like a unit. And like they were going up against this Nick side that everyone was rooting for. And they had kind of embraced their role. As the villains, I don't know if they're quite the villains because their journey is one of, you know, growth, understanding, you know, cohesion. And so I don't think those are the terms you'd associate with a villain group. So, yeah, this they acted as these villains. They embraced our role, but they're not the villains. And, wow, they did a brilliant job. Trey Young hit that three and bowed to New York. That was one of the most badass moments Oh my god, beautiful. And yeah, the Atlanta Hawks, the villains, the bad guys, they beat uh, the team with the romantic story. 
So props to Nate McMillan, this entire team. Some some nights they were lights out. Like you could not stop them from scoring, and I can't imagine how frustrating that is. But yeah, great series, great fun. On to the West. Now the West is more interesting in terms of who qualified or how the series is went. First up is the Utah Jazz versus the Memphis Grizzlies. I had predicted that Memphis would pull it off. Yeah, I forgot how good this Utah side is. I mean, game one, there was no Donovan Mitchell. He was dealing with his injury issues. So he was out. And Memphis were able to pick up the win. This Memphis team, I'm telling you, they have these young players who are so savvy, so under you know with such great understanding of the game it's 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 amazing to watch you have John Morant you have Desmond Bain you have Xavier Tillman Dylan Brooks not saying all of them are quite young per se but it's it's a young squad in general and on their night they're so fun to watch but then what you noticed in the later games is First of all, Jamaran really wanted to dunk on Rudy Gobert. And yeah, it wasn't working out. And that's something that John needs to kind of understand. That there is a momentum shift. It's a game of momentum. And on which team is able to go on runs. And you saw that this team was quite inexperienced in dealing with how the opponents came at them, dealing with the times when they had momentum, and it all felt kind of frenzied when they had their moments, rather than them keeping their shape, keeping their discipline, and consistently getting those points. But, yeah, it did feel like a bit of their inexperience showed, and, yeah, that's why the series was really not in their favor. Donovan Mitchell is a bully. It's so fun to watch him. He's such a smart player. He knows what to do. He was in Dylan Brooks's mind the entire series. And yeah, fantastic performance from him. And just an overall great performance from this team as they have done you know, throughout the regular season. And it's really hard to doubt them now. I mean, they look comfortable and yeah, they'll be a tough one. They they'll be tough to beat. They'll be really tough to beat. So yeah, we'll see how they go. But yeah, really fun performance from them. They're great defensively. They know what they're doing. Rudy Gobert has had his moments where he looks shaky, but overall he plays his role so well. Uh, yeah, this is a great Utah side. They've been incredible over the entire season. So. On to the next one, which will be Denver versus Portland. This series was swinging back and forth, back and forth. And there were games where you would see the weaknesses in both teams glaringly. But, well, the MVP. They have Jokic. And my God, he is a perfect center. As perfect as you can get. He is such an offensive threat. He knows what he's doing there. I mean, you know, he, he feels kind of wonky when he plays. You know, it's not always the most swift and 
aesthetically pleasing uh, you know moves but he is so fundamentally solid in what he does his playmaking next to none and it's not just great passing it's it's smart passing the one famed pass to Michael Porter Jr where he just found the cutting man and he knew that the defense's attention would go to him and the pass was straight to him and yeah the shot was sunk in Michael Porter Jr a clinical shooter on his day you know there are nights where he would just go six for seven from three seven seven from eight but there'll be some nights where you know he'll go over five not even some nights just in the same game that could happen that that's what you get with them but he's so solid defensively yes there are issues especially when i mean some of the decisions that terry starts made in some of the games uh, kind of questionable but this team overall just kind of felt stronger Faco Campazzo I love the man he's just such a spark plug he's such an annoyance for the opponents and he does his job so well you then have yeah I mean Jokic so good but on to the other team who I feel bad for Dame I really feel bad for Dame because I mean, we all that game that he had, where he just hit the most incredible shots to keep his team in the game, going to overtime, and overtime covering the nine to ten point deficit just incredibly well, and his teammates missing dunks, you know, going out of bounds, not shooting well, him having to do everything. You kind of felt bad for him, and that's what the series was, where. The more active team, the more, uh, the more, yeah, the more active team just felt like they were gonna win. There were moments where Jokic, I mean, you either double Jokic, there was no other way because you have Yusuf Nurkic, you have NS Kanter, and they were gonna get bullied. NS Kanter, no words. I don't know what to do with Jokic defensively against him. And I guess those are the questions that they really couldn't answer. Nurkic did an okay job. So, I mean, all you can do is either double them, get them in foul trouble. And that's kind of what they try to do with uh, Joel Embiid, the Washington Wizards. They had Alex Len. They, and yeah, it just doesn't really work. The, the centers are quite smart, especially players like Joel Embiid and uh, Nikola Jokic. So it kind of felt... Like, it was too much of an advantage for uh, Denver. Even though the series was going to, sw- you know, it's just swing. It felt like Game 7 was destined, but but this Denver side just kind of felt better. So, good on them. Good on them. Great series for them, and they were able to pull out the win. On to the series that ended today, which was the Dallas Mavericks versus... The Clippers. And well, this really wasn't the Dallas Mavericks versus the Clippers. This was Luka Doncic versus the Clippers. My God, how how much more do you expect from this kid? He's in his 20s. I mean, so am I, but yeah. He's going up against Kawhi, Paul George, this, this experienced team. You then put Rajon Rondo on there with his you know, defensive 
capabilities and and his experience it was tough for him but my god how do you stop a freight train how do you stop a freight train he was hitting those incredible shots some just felt i mean you can't even do them in in a video game they were just incredible especially the one legged uh, you know fade away of swords just an incredible performance an incredible series for him uh, so yeah he had a tough game after the neck injury but overall he's been excellent the rest of the team not so much tim hardaway junior again great player he was having his moments Kristaps Porzingis, man, he's a center who really doesn't feel like he's in a game. You're gonna see him at the perimeter t- taking some of those threes. What else is he doing, man? He feels quite of a non-player at times, and it's tough. It's really tough for them when their secondary star really kind of feels invisible at times who doesn't impose his will in a game. So it's tough. It's tough for them, especially with him. Dorian Finney-Smith, I think he had his moments, especially defensively in, in one of those games where the, where the Mavericks got the third win. He was so solid and he plays his role well. But yeah, we're going up against Kawhi Leonard, who had one of his all-time games uh, in that game six. But yeah, it was tough to stop them. It was really tough to stop them. When you have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George had his moments of weakness. Again, playoff P was in question. But yeah, he was solid throughout the entire series. Finding those great shots as well at times with the ball movement. Kawhi Leonard on his day, like, it's tough to stop him. So yeah, again, overall, overall this entire team you know, played their role really well. Uh, the stars dominated, of course. So, yeah. Good performance from Clippers. I think they were so afraid of getting knocked out again. Because, make no mistake, if they get knocked out again here, it's 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 ropes. It's ropes. You then have to kind of consider dismantling the team, you know, making some big changes, getting rid of, like, PG and stuff. But it's tough. It was tough for them, and they pulled through. So, props to them. 100%. Good job by the Clippers. You have to feel for Luka. He, you could not expect more from him, especially considering the fact that he was injured as well. So, props to him. What a series by him. Boban again had his moments. Boban had his moments, but yeah, this, this side kind of felt uninspired at times. They kind of felt quite predictable, and he either had Luka... Luka, I think that was one of the games where Luka kind of was contributing to 83.8% of the points of the team, which is insane. But yeah, Luca, an exceptional talent, but you got, you got to feel for him. So, yeah. Congrats to the Clippers for making it on to the next round. On to the final game. Now, this is a game that I was quite invested in. The Suns is a team I've been rooting for the entire season, and I want them to win the title. Game one. Chris Paul injury, and it's like, oh no, oh no, this feels like deja vu. This reminded me of, this reminded me of Houston, but not this time. He was, he was hurt, but they pulled off that game one win, which was important. And then, and then it was the Lakers who felt like they were back. Chris Paul 
was not Chris Paul. He was making the he was his shoulder was injured. He was not able to get the range of motion in his shooting, in his passing. There were turnovers. There were missed shots, and it was a tough time for Chris Paul. By the end of Game Two, you could feel like the momentum was starting to shift. LeBron was getting into his own. AD was hitting those shots. The team was clicking better. Um, You saw moments where LeBron was screaming at KCP for not hitting that shot. And you could tell, okay, LeBron is going into playoff mode. He's getting motivated. He wants this. And it felt tough, especially in Game 3. In Game 3, when he had... Jay Crowder, you know, joying at him and him going right back at him. There was a player that's now famous where he was in that position of post-up and Andre Jamin off the bench is imitating that motion. And yeah, he's laughing as he's turning in, hitting the reverse layup. My God, it's like, okay, they're playing with their food now. They're playing with their food. It felt over. It it really did feel over. And then the resurgence. The resurgence was there. You saw why this team is so good. You saw why this team is so good. I mean, unfortunately, there was the injury to Anthony Davis. But, yeah, that was a tough one for them. 100%. But Chris Ball started to get back into it. You could tell he's getting back into his groove, which is fun to watch. Uh, the team just, again, as I've said before, they, they are fantastic. In Game 5, uh, Game 5 was kind of one very one-sided. I mean, there was that 30-point gap that they were never really able to close down. Uh, yeah, it, it was. Uh, there was no AD, even though he tried. It just wasn't going to work. Uh, in, in game six, well, he tried five minutes, had to be taken out. Devin Booker lights out in that first half. So good. Second half, you saw how LeBron was starting to get this team back into the game defensively. I know everyone's kind of criticizing Dennis Schroeder for having, uh, uh, you know, a, yes, he did not have a great, a great series. But defensively, he was on at that game. He was causing turnovers. He was causing mishaps. And that disruption was so important for that mini comeback that they had. But then there was that sad moment in the final quarter with like seven minutes to go where LeBron had to sit out. He said he's exhausted. He had to sit out. And that was quite a human side to this larger-than-life player that we see every, every year dominate and you go back like three four years you would see LeBron just taking the ball dominating and when he was trying when he was going for it he was succeeding he was driving in without much resistance and scoring but you can't do that consistently at that level for year after year and especially when you're now heading towards year 19 it's just going to get tougher and with no Anthony Davis and seeing your teammates really not up to it not hitting those shots and that lead while being cut down just one run away from crumbling and that's what happened with Chris Paul coming back 
you know, getting those passes to Mikhail Bridges, who shot so well at times, hitting those clutch shots. Defensively, solid as hell. Devin Booker, off screens, just getting the ball, shooting so well. Jay Crowder, again, a presence, as always. And, uh, yeah, that was it. That was it. Uh, near the end of the game, it kind of felt really, like... You know, co- was it a coincidence? It felt incredible that Chris Paul was making fun of Andre Drummond for doing the post-up thing. Andre Drummond didn't have a good series. People have said that he's going to be the turning, you know, turning piece for this Lakers side. No, but yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, there was Chris Paul making fun of Andre Drummond for the post-up thing, and Jay Carter doing the salsa dance. Making fun of LeBron for his Mountain Dew ad. So, hilarious, hilarious stuff. But for LeBron, it was it was tough to watch, man. It was him trying to will his team on. Short-handed, Kyle Kuzma, bad series, bad series. KCP at times, really bad. Dennis Schroeder at times, really bad. And when your starters are playing like that, it's going to be tough for even the best of players, even players like LeBron, to get anything going. For the Suns, Chris Paul, even though he had his ups and downs in the series in terms of injuries, on his day, incredible. Devin Booker is finally developing, I guess finally is a rude word, but he's showing signs of being that playoff guy, being that guy who can take the team forward on his own. And... It's it's a sight to see. It's a sight to see this team develop. DeAndre Ayton, my God, he I, I I think the commentary you know pointed out to this. He's so good at just catching the ball and scoring, and being that defensive piece, uh, being that help defensively, rotating so well. You know, when to move away from help, and back to his man. It's just incredible stuff, and campaign. I mean, from what he was, you know, he was the hype man with uh, Russell Westbrook doing the dances, the tank commander in the Chicago Bulls to now being a good, a bit a bit of a wild piece at times. Uh, you know, there's a wildness about him where he takes those shots and you're like, calm down, calm down, take, those, take some better shots. But, he, you know, he does his job well and it's fun to watch this team play. This Suns team are so fun to watch, so... On to the second round. What am I going to predict? Uh, first of all, before predictions, we're going to talk about the two games that have already happened. Philadelphia 76ers versus the Atlanta Hawks happened last night. Triple H came out with Joel Embiid, which was fun to watch because, yeah, Triple H is cool. It was fun to watch, but, well, what happened in the game was what the New York Knicks faced, which is... The Atlanta Hawks on their day don't miss. They have so many options. Their depth is crazy. And yeah, this team on their day, unstoppable. And that's what happened. Hitting those tough shots. Sixers, too many turnovers. Too many turnovers. And yeah, the end of that game was nothing short of frenetic. They were just everywhere in that game. They had, I don't know, 15, 16, 17 point lead. I mean, they had a, they had as good as like a what, 25, 26 point lead in the game. And it just melted. 
and the game was way too close near the end. It shouldn't have been that close. But yeah, Atlanta dealt with it. I do want to point out the one pass from Kevin Herter when you know when they were being double team pressurized to so many turnovers. Him getting that pass off to John Collins was crucial. So yeah. Good on the Atlanta Hawks. I want to see them win. Can they win? I mean, you can say Joel Embiid was injured, but he had a blockbuster game. So if he can get even in, in, in even better shape in terms of fitness, uh, sheesh, a 50-point game in coming. He had 39 on the night, so who knows? I think Trey Young had a great first half. Second half, he kind of slowed down, but did his thing. John Collins, dominant, though. I mean, efficient as hell. So yeah, great performance. Uh, one second. Bogdanovich, to this day, hitting those clutch shots. Props to the man. Doing his job so well. So, yeah, everyone in that Atlanta Hawks side played incredibly well. Brooklyn versus Milwaukee. Mm, yeah, Harden injury is really tough on them. In terms of, uh, is it tough on them? They dominate again. That's what they do. Such a strong team. Blake Griffin just is a monster still. <laughs> he feels like he finessed everyone. Just feels so good uh, in terms of what he can contribute to this team on offense, defense, just everywhere. Hustle. Great. And yeah. You have Harden who's injured. Let's see what happens with him. But you have Kyrie and KD who are going to do their thing. Milwaukee felt really predictable. And that's what their problem was, that has been their problem for years. They feel very predictable on offense, defense. So they're easy to break down. I think even even defensively, like they don't have Dante DiVincenzo, which is really tough. But yeah, it's going to be a tough series for them. Let's see if they can make the comeback. I hope they can. They need to get more people involved on offense and they need their stars to play as many minutes as they can. So let's see if they kind of make those necessary adjustments i doubt it but let's see the other series you have utah versus clippers i think utah will take the clippers i think they'll have the fear i think fear will kind of drive the clippers and it served them well in the first series but i think this utah side has more tools I think ball movement they'll be able to handle because of how they relentlessly they defend. I think problems will be on the nights when you can't stop Kawhi Leonard. He's in his bag, as you call it. So let's see. But I think this team can do it. I, th- I mean, you're gonna see Kawhi being guarded by. Uh, so I, I'm sorry. I mean, you're gonna see. I mean, you're gonna see Donovan Mitchell being guarded by Kawhi. That's gonna be a tough matchup for him. Let's see how the others kind of, you know, pull their socks up. How the others kind of get themselves going. Phoenix versus Denver. I'm going to go Phoenix. (laughs) Am I biased? Yes. But I kind of said this earlier, which is I think the two teams that can take down this Phoenix side stylistically is Denver and the Nets. I think those are the two really tough opponents for this Phoenix side. So this is going to be a hell of a series. 
I'd like to think Phoenix have that backcourt sorted. And that'll kind of be the way they get through. You have Mikael Bridges against Michael Porter Jr. That's going to be a fun matchup. DeAndre Ayton versus Jokic. Uh, this is going to be fun. I, this is going to be a very fun matchup. And then you, of course, have uh, Jay Crowder. I mean, yes, it's going to be a fun matchup. This will be one of the most fun matchups of the series. And I guess we'll wait and see how it goes until the next round. Thank you all for tuning in. You can check out our website, conventional9.com, for articles. As I said, I wrote one on the Atlanta Hawks, Ode to Villainy, so go check that out. You can check out our Twitter and Instagram at TC9Podcast, our YouTube, The Conventional 9, for videos and more. I'll do more soon. Uh, just been focused on watching the NBA and just watching right now and just learning, so I'll post some videos soon. So, yeah, I'll be, I'll be back on that, especially now that... Euros are starting, so yeah, sports content, a lot of it is coming out. So let's see how and what I come up with in terms of content. Uh, yeah, thank you all for tuning in. And again, you can find a podcast anywhere you get your podcast. So yeah, thank you all for tuning in. We'll be back soon, potentially to do a football podcast on the Euros. So yeah, stay tuned for that. And the UFC 2263 is coming up. So yep. Lots of stuff coming up, so yeah. thank you all for tuning in, and we'll be back soon. Bye.